Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Oh, uh, hello there, hello there. I was just looking at this breaking news that some guy drove his car into a Dallas television station. Um and was screaming high treason high treason well it's unclear exactly what he's deranged about but man you know (laughs) there are more of them than we thought there were and one's even the president of the united states it's really scary god so um This is the hottest beginning to September since 1898. (laughs) Just in case you were uh, wondering. God. But it seems cooler today to me. And uh, maybe it'll get back into some realm that we can recall as autumnal. Um, I got lots of stuff here. Not sure where to begin the Kavanaugh hearings are just stultifying. I can't watch them. Uh, beside the, you know, occasional uh, outbursts and uh, just can't. I mean, I, that's a fait accompli as far as I can tell. Barring any extraordinary circumstance, that man is going to be seated on the Supreme Court till the day I die. Um. It was interesting the things that on Twitter uh, emerged from yesterday's hearing. And the two biggies, I guess, were um, an effort on the part of Fred, I guess his name was Fred Gutenberg, whose daughter was one of the students killed in the uh, Parkland shooting in in Florida at that high school. And Fred Gutenberg was at the hearing uh, at the invitation of some Democratic senator, not sure which one. And he approached Judge Kavanaugh and attempted to shake his hand, had his hand out, and the judge did not take his hand. There's video, but it's un- to me it's all very unclear. The judge definitely does not take his hand. He just stares at him. It's later said that um, Guttenberg said um, who he was and who his daughter was, and... There's all these different um, accounts of what happened. Uh, One account says that uh, Judge Kavanaugh, as he was leaving, asked security to remove Gutenberg from the hearing. And he said, you can identify him by the bracelets he wears to commemorate his daughter. I don't know. I I, I mean, you know, I got to tell you right there, even though I saw the video of Gutenberg holding out his hand and Kavanaugh not shaking it, um, 
But I have to say this. That just doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) Uh, Kavanaugh is a smart guy. Um, He knows that his job uh, in this week is to not screw up, to not say anything that will derail his ascent to the Supreme Court, not uh, in any way of... yeah, offend anybody that he shouldn't or even that he, some would think should, it, whatever. There's no way. I, my guess is he didn't know who this guy was. He thought he was being set up or something. I don't know. But some people are making such a big deal about it. My God, Lawrence O'Donnell from MSNBC, he tweeted, this is all I, this is all you have to see. That's it. This is the biggest thing that came out of the out of the hearing today, Judge Kavanaugh refusing to shake the hand of a man whose daughter was gunned down in. I'm a little suspicious of it all. Why is that? And I'm suspicious of the other one too. Twitter made a big to-do about the woman seated directly behind Kavanaugh it was not a family member. Uh, a woman wearing a black dress, looking miserable. And what there, uh, what came out on Twitter is a picture of her behind Kavanaugh, and then who is this woman <coughs> giving the white power salute? And I'm looking at her and thinking, what? And then they point out how her fingers, she was resting her hand. Here's what she was doing. Her hand was resting on her arm like this, I'd say. I think I got it right. Okay, do you see that? There's a like an okay sign, and then these three fingers are sort of splayed. I think um, it's said to be a white power salute if it's up more, meaning the W here meaning white, and this, I guess, meaning power, or not. (laughs) Um, Further indications are that this thing as a white power salute is nothing but the alt-right having some fun with liberals telling us that that's what this is and then using it to drive us crazy. Uh, I did look up a source uh, that I thought would know, and that was the uh, ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, and they suggested that it really was not a white power salute, but it was, in fact, a, a meme intended to rankle folks like me. Now, as to whether or not that woman, and then Twitter was going nuts of who sits like that? I mean, if you were like just sitting in this boring hearing, would you end up sitting like that? And, you know, at first I thought, nah. And now as I'm doing it, it doesn't seem all that. I mean, I can see where you might end it up like this, right? But let's say that this woman, and her by the name she's been um, identified, as a Republican, I think she used to clerk for uh, Justice Kavanaugh, Judge Kavanaugh. 
and uh, her name is Bash. Her husband's on Twitter today just squawking and screaming, what the hell are you talking about? My wife is no more. And you know what? I think that's right, too. So I'm, I'm wondering in this day and age when we are all so on edge, when we've got hair trigger tempers, when we see offense where maybe none is intended, when we decry something that appears to be something, um, I, I just want to say that I think both of these instances, the Gutenberg handshake incident and the, the so-called white power salute dog whistle being flashed, you know, flashed behind Kavanaugh. Really? Really? I'm just saying. Really? I, I find it a little much. And I'm not buying in to either. Um, we're all outraged enough and feeding our outrage. And this is going on on no matter what side you're on, this kind of stuff. Jumping on the smallest thing, building something, a, a woman resting her hand in a certain way and uh, blowing it up so that it's <laughs> people are, you can't imagine how the internet went berserk in both instances. And with people, like as I said, I mean a major, uh, you know, Lawrence O'Donnell has his own hour-long show on MSNBC, uh, completely accepting the Gutenberg um, scenario as clearly Judge Kavanaugh um, refusing to shake his hand and then having him, what, having security get get him out of the room? I, you, somebody's got somebody's to prove to me that that really is what happened because I, I find that impossible to believe. Again, uh, Judge Kavanaugh in his own self-interest, and that's all he's thinking about right now. He wants to get to that court in his own self-interest is not going to knowingly offend the father of a murdered child. Donald Trump would, but I don't get the sense that Judge Kavanaugh is of that ilk. So if anybody can uh, disabuse me of my reluctance to get involved, and I did when I first saw the white power thing and saw it going, I, I was like, <gasps> I was, you know, I was just looking all over the place trying to ascertain because <clears throat> fake news, fake news, fake news. I, I don't want to traffic in it. I don't want to fall for it. I, we're all vulnerable now and we're vulnerable because we want to believe certain things if they make our so-called enemies look bad but there's just too much hair trigger stupid going on and uh, I'm inclined I might be wrong 
I might be right on one and wrong on the other. I just don't know. Uh, I see Chris Hayes tweeted last night. He said, yes. He says, yes, it is used as an alt-right symbol. Well, see, the ADL says they're just doing it to mess with our heads. And he and Chris Hayes says, no, I do not think there is any evidence it was being flashed today at the hearing. And I think pe people shouldn't disseminate that claim or insinuate. Okay, so he came down on the same side, although he even says it is an alt-right symbol. I think she just, the more I do this, the more I can see where you might end up with your hand like that. <laughs> Come on. God, I think we're all losing our minds. But um, the Fred Gutenberg thing still has life, and uh, I, I'm, I still remain uh, unsure about that. Just say it. There was a story uh, over the weekend, I think it broke over the weekend, that I saw again on Twitter and found it, so hard to believe <laughs> that I I just sort of shook it off and thought no I can't that, are you and then it got bigger and I still kept trying to forget about it because I found it it made me so angry that I didn't want to I just didn't want to think about people being as awful as they are capable of being and then I was watching the NBC Evening News last night with Leonard Holt. Is that his name? Leonard? I don't think it's Leonard. He doesn't look like a Leonard. Leslie, no. Lawrence. Leo. I don't know. Mr. Holt. And um, he had the story. And it's a little teeny-weeny story, but it was still alive. Lester. That's it. Lester Holt. Thank you, Amy. And the story is about a man uh, named Jeffrey Owens, who I never heard of. But Jeffrey Owens is an actor, and... Uh, by the way, Yale, Yale Drama School, Yale educated actor who had a recurring role on the Bill Cosby show. Um, I'm not clear of the role he played, and I did not watch the Cosby show, so I, you know, he, I wouldn't recognize him if I saw him. And obviously that was some time ago. Well, what happened was Jeffrey Owens was at work <coughs> in New Jersey, where he lives, <coughs> and he has a job now at, uh, at Trader Joe's in, in New Jersey, and he was working at Trader Joe's, and he's a lot older than he was, like all of us, and he's got put on some weight, like uh, most of us. And these two pictures, two pictures of him, uh, and I think he's wearing like a apron, and the apron looks sort of dirty and stuff. He's, he's working. He's like, who knows what, stacking produce. I don't know what he's doing. 
Um, <clears throat> someone in New Jersey took pictures of him wreck at work. Must have known he had been on the Cosby show. Thought this was big news that this actor was now working at Trader Joe's. And whoever took this, these pictures, sent the pictures to Fox News. And Fox News, in its journalistic uh, sense, felt, why, my God, this is a story. And the story, I guess, the way they put it out there, was sort of like, look at the fall of this guy who once was on television on this highest rated show. This is Jeffrey Owens today, stocking shelves at Trader Joe's. I did not see the Fox report, but they considered it news that a not particularly well-known actor was now working at Trader Joe's, and they did a piece. And it went viral. And that's where I saw it on the Internet. And when I saw it on the Internet, I was blown away because what was clearly the intent of the story and all of the Internet stuff was shaming him, shaming Jeffrey Owens for working at Trader Joe's. And maybe now you see why I kept running away from the story. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe that anyone would think that's a story. That somebody who you did this and act acting and now was doing this and or doing this and that is an indication of some what? Of some downward spiral in his life. I mean, the subtext here is that working at Trader Joe's is an embarrassment to you. I sometimes feel like I'm living in a world that I so do not comprehend anymore. And it makes me want to cry. When did it come to be that a person working would be considered a source of shame in whatever they were doing. I don't care what they're doing. They're working. <clears throat> when did that become a way to shame? And the only way, anybody who thinks that there's something wrong about working at Trader Joe's or working at Trader Joe's when you have a Yale degree and you used to be on television, that that shows a downward trajectory in your life. Anyone who buys into that 
is first of all an ignoramus. And second of all, needs some character building exercise fast. The mark of value of any human being is not related in any way to what kind of labor they do. If in our culture, our horrible culture, people have been taught by their parents that people who work with their hands are somehow beneath them. We don't work with our hands. If people think that anybody toiling in a job is doing something they should be ashamed of. I, I swear to God, guys, I can't even... I, I, and the way Lester Holt even put the story, he put the story out there that this actor had been shamed on the Internet and, and Fox News for working at Trader Joe's. And I wrote down what Lester Holt said, and now he said, people are coming to his defense. And I let out a scream. He doesn't need any defense. What did he do wrong? What do you need to defend? <clears throat> there are a whole bunch of people. And you know what? Politics doesn't come into this. There are liberals who are living the good life. And they would see this as a come down. He's working at Trader Joe's. I know liberals like that. That there is, they see, liberals and certainly others, conservatives, who see this hierarchy of work. You know, blue collar, white collar. Do you dirty your hands while working? I just want to say that I don't think anything makes me angrier than this kind of thing. One of the big things wrong in our culture, this sense that only certain people do certain jobs. When I was always taught that all labor is important, and in fact it is usually those jobs that are considered lower that are the most consequential. Take all the people doing those jobs that other people look down their noses at. Take them away. And the world would crumble. No plumbers. No garbage collectors. Nobody to wait on you. Clean your house. Take care of your yard. No one to build a road for you. Fix your roof. Paint your house. Fix your car. 
You know, these are people who actually have the jobs that we need, not the white-collar paper pushers. I'm sorry, nothing made me angrier than this, and I, I didn't even know if I could talk about it and keep my cool. He's now had to go on Good Morning America and other places and say, hey, look, no one has to feel sorry for me. I took this job because it's, Trader Joe's is a great place to work. They play, pay good benefits, all that. If you're an actor, you're a, you're a freelancer. And so you maybe get a part here and a part there, and in between, you don't have insurance, you don't have this, you don't have that. It makes perfect sense. He still does acting gigs. He never became a huge star, but he's perfectly happy, and he sees no shame in working at Trader Joe's, nor should he. And anyone who looks down their nose at anyone, or who when you ask somebody, and what is your son doing? And the answer is, he drives a cab, and you like, think that, oh my God, and you think, well, oh, how interesting. Anytime you react to someone's job as if there was something shameful about doing it, you are being a total asshole. I'm sorry. We got callers, if they're still there. Caller, are you there? Yeah. Hey, uh, on Labor Day, instead of Trump saying something good about labor, he bashes the unions. Right. So I have to tell him. He said it, it was harmful Ameri for America. Well, let me tell you what, Trump. I collect a pension because I had a union, a small one. I'm real, I got jerked around like everybody else, got laid off and shit. But if it wasn't for the union, I wouldn't be collecting a pension. So don't tell me it's hurt Americans. It just irks me and then the jack-off that voted for him who worked in mills think he's for them when he's bashing the union that gives them the wages and the benefits it just amazes me that these people are so damn dumb but it's a cult it's a cult it's like a religion they'll believe it and believe it and you can't tell them no different that is correct so don't yeah. don't waste your breath yeah no it's unions the reason any of us go into a job and expect that we will get paid overtime, that we will have paid vacations, that we will have sick days, that we will work 40 hours a week, and all of that. None of that, none of it would have ever happened if not for unions. Honest to Pete, I don't know what people are thinking. Yeah, I don't either. Well, they're not. Okay, hey, thank you. Okay, thank you. Appreciate Bye. it. Bye. We have another caller? I hung up. <coughs> Excuse me. So I just have to say that I found this, the fact that this was a story, I think says so much about our country and about us. And he, this Jeffrey Owens, 
said this. There is no job that is better than another job. It might pay better. It might have better benefits. It might look better on a resume. But actually, it's not better. Every job is worthwhile and valuable. But you know what? A lot of people don't believe it. They think jobs come with status. And because a lot of people think that, they do. <laughs> right? Uh, I, I just... The facts of the Fox News thought this was a story... I mean, people have just gone berserk. Dan Rather went after Fox, said this demonizing hard work, at the same time abetting grifters enriching themselves on tax dollars is a potent stew of hypocrisy. Owens, the actor, said he was really devastated by how he was initially portrayed on Fox, but that the outpouring of support for him uh, made that feeling disappear really quickly. So, uh, we have a call. Go ahead, caller. Hello? Hey, Lynn, it's Mike in D.C. Uh-huh. As a former actor, <laughs> I can tell you that we created the gig economy. Yeah. One year for my W-2s, I had 16, 1099. So we created the gig economy. And it's so ironic to me that the people on Fox who say that the government shouldn't pay for your health care, you should pay for your health care, get a job. So the guy, an actor, a gig actor gets a job that pays for his health care and they shame him for it. And you can't tell me that if he were a white actor there'd be a different response too. So it's, they speak out of both sides of their ass and I can't believe that everybody doesn't see that. I don't know. I don't know. You know I brought up the fact that he's a graduate of Yale Drama School. Just throw it in there because see that's the kind of thing that these same people who grade your uh, your status, oh Yale, well all of a sudden you're somebody, but they their heads literally cannot handle Yale and Trader Joe's in one sentence. Or knowing even the cost of buying healthcare on the market, it's so expensive that it's better to get a job at Trader Joe's. Yeah, and to have your healthcare. And even if you have money in the bank, you're just throwing it away if you can work at Trader Joe's right. four, four hours a day right. to get health care. Right. So clearly these people have never, one, uh, had to pay for their health care out of their own pocket, or they would get what this guy is doing. I don't know. The idea that people working are, should feel shame at certain jobs is what makes me crazy. There is no shame in work. That well there is. 
there's shame in a lot of white collar work. Right. <laughs> that there's a lot of shame in a lot of white collar work. Yeah, if you're doing the bidding of uh, some insurance company, some in, you know, th- uh, turning people aside and you know not. No, there's shame in that kind of work. There's shame in lots of Wall Street jobs. There's shame, believe me, a lot of it to go around. But it's usually at the jobs that people are most impressed by. It's not the blue-collar jobs. I got a job interview for Department of Homeland Security, and I sent a note to the recruiter saying, under no circumstance will I work for them considering their stance with children. In my opinion, that's a shameful job. That's right. People who take those paychecks doing horrible, horrendous things. Some yep. people who bag your freaking groceries yep. in order to get health care. Yep. And luckily, I have the capability to say no to that job. But I would, in a million years, rather bag groceries than work for Department of Homeland Security. You know, I have always liked work that um, can be repetitive and um, I mean, I was, I was a secretary for a long time. I like work that, you know, some people would say, well, oh, doesn't that drive you crazy? Or even, I mean, I think bagging groceries would be sort of interesting, trying to figure out how to. I like work of any kind. I don't see work as bad. I think the one work that might make me crazy would be an assembly line, literally, you know, doing the exact same thing. Uh, Hour after hour after hour after hour, but I don't know. I I I've done lots of different jobs, and um, I know that it's people who make the least amount of money who have to work the hardest, who come home and they they're physically exhausted, mentally exhausted, and people who look down on those kinds of jobs should just try to do them and see. You'd have a lot more respect. Ugh. Okay. The prestige angle is also something to think about, too. Like, not only do you need a job that pays benefits, but now in our culture it says you need a job that pays benefits and has prestige in order for you to be um, approved of. That's right. Your prestige, too, not even mine, because the best part about being an actor like why do so, why are so many people actors when only three percent of the people in Astra or Equity make a living out of it? Right. It's because it's a flexible job. Right. I don't have to get up every day at six a.m. and go and sit behind a cube and drone on and on and on. It's an interesting job. So it may not have the prestige of somebody who works who's a manager of a health desk center, right? But I'm telling you, it's a lot more interesting and a lot more fun. <laughs> And if I only get 60 or 70 years on this planet, I honestly don't want to be the manager of a health, health desk um, call center. That's my idea of hell if there's a hell. Okay. I thank you, Mike. Okay. I thank sure. you. Bye. Bye. I don't know. Here's a job you wouldn't want, Pope. That's a job I would not want. You're always on the job. Everybody's always, there's too much pomp and circumstance. And 
no matter what you do, there's and there's knives coming for you all the time. Did you know that uh, Cardinal Whirl flew over to Rome and had a one-on-one with Francis the other day? Because the two of them are in trouble, I would say Whirl more so. And uh, the Pope told Whirl, go back and talk to your priests. Well, he did, and probably about half the priests want him him gone. So, we shall see. He was, uh, I mean, that's, I I don't know. I don't don't think Whirl's going to survive. I think he's going to have to go. Also, I don't know if I'm up on the latest thing. Can somebody explain something to me? Um, are j- the jail here and other jails in the state are on lockdown, which means nobody moves, which means prisoners are all essentially in solitary. I mean, nobody's going anywhere. And you can't get visits, and you can't uh, yeah, get phone calls. Uh, and it's been that way for all week. And it's because, according to the jail people here, that 11 employees at the jail were sickened by an unknown substance. And they were sent to the hospital. They are all, I guess, okay. Um, One of the things that I couldn't figure out is if there's something in the jail that's making people sick, why isn't it making inmates sick? I mean, they're all sharing the same air and they're in the same place and they never none of this ever said anything about are the inmates sick because you would assume so why would it just whatever this is attack employees and it turns out that um, the ACLU had that question too and the ACLU put out a statement uh, saying um, that the Department of Corrections throughout the state has failed to provide any real transparency in this thing. And the ACLU is aware that a lot of people, the loved ones of people in jail, are exceedingly anxious because they can't talk to their loved ones they don't know if their loved ones are okay. And the ACLU put out something and they said, if the staff has been ill, it's reasonable to conclude that prisoners have been sick as well. Although the lack of information makes that impossible to confirm. I mean, either way, why aren't prisoners' families and why isn't the public being told more? Um, <clears throat> and I mean, I agree. Why? I, I, I don't get it. So here in um, Allegheny County, the uh, warden apparently uh, spoke out yesterday, 
and said that none of the inmates are ill. Which begs the question, how is that possible? I'm serious. I did, this whole, none of this makes any sense to me. They're all in the same facility. It's now under lockdown. They can't find whatever the hell it is. But for some reason, I mean, they're operating under the assumption that it's some kind of a drug, some kind of a narcotic uh, that might have sickened the employees. But employees, prisoners, they're all human beings. Why would one fall and the others not? I'm just asking, and if anybody knows any more about this, feel free, because I am, along with the ACLU, mighty confused and would like a little more transparency here. That's a huge facility. There are a lot of people in there, many of them not guilty of anything except being poor, so that they couldn't post bond awaiting trial. Um, I don't know. Now Margaret's saying, you know, so drugs sent by mail. Well, <clears throat> I don't know. And only employees have handled any of this stuff? Maybe. I don't know. I'm in a constant state of confusion. Um, this is a little old, but it sure is forceful as hell. I mean, you're aware of the uh, murder of Molly Tibbetts, a young college girl who was out jogging in Iowa and was killed. The man who has been uh, arrested is an undocumented Mexican farm worker. Um, the people who have immediately grabbed her death and tried to uh, ramp it up into um, anti-immigrant uh, tirades, including the president, of course, have no concern whatsoever with exploiting a family's tragedy and this young woman's death for their political gain. And her father became so enraged that he wrote a piece for the Des Moines Iowa newspaper, the Des Moines Register. And I don't know if you've seen it, but I would like to read it to you because... Um, you know, we lose sight of good people. And this is a good man in such horrible circumstances. 
his daughter was missing, then his daughter is dead. And as that's not enough, everyone from the president to Ann Coulter to all the other wonderful humans on that side who happily exploit this death for their gain. And the father couldn't take it anymore, so he wrote this, and I just want to read it. <coughs> Ten days ago, we learned that Molly would not be coming home. Shattered, my family set out to celebrate Molly's extraordinary life and chose to share our sorrow in private. At the outset, politicians and pundits used Molly's death to promote various political agendas. We appealed to them, and they graciously stopped. For that we are grateful. Sadly, others have ignored our request. They have instead chosen to callously distort and corrupt Molly's tragic death to advance a cause she vehemently opposed. I encourage the debate on immigration. There is great merit in its reasonable outcome, but do not appropriate Molly's soul in advancing views she believed were profoundly racist. The act grievously extends the crime that stole Molly from our family and is, to quote Donald Trump Jr., heartless and despicable. Molly was my daughter and my best friend. At her eulogy, I said Molly was nobody's victim, nor is she a pawn in others' debate. She may not be able to speak for herself, but I can and I will. Please leave us out of your debate. Allow us to grieve in privacy and dignity. At long last, show some decency. On behalf of my family and Molly's memory, I'm imploring you to stop. Throughout this ordeal, I've asked myself, what would Molly do? As I write this, I'm watching Senator John McCain lie in state at the Capitol Rotunda, and I know that evil will succeed only if good people do nothing. Both Molly and Senator McCain were good people. I know that both would stand up now and do something. The person who is accused of taking Molly's life is no more a reflection of the Hispanic community as white supremacists are of all white people. To suggest otherwise is a lie. Justice in my America is blind. This person will receive a fair trial as it should be. If convicted, he will face the consequences society has set 
Beyond that, he deserves no more attention. To the Hispanic community, my family stands with you and offers its heartfelt apology that you have been beset by the circumstances of Molly's death is wrong. We treasure the contributions you bring to the American tapestry in all its color and melody. And yes, we love your food. My stepdaughter, who Molly loves so dearly, is Latina. Her sons, Molly's nephews, and my grandchildren are Latino. And that means really I am, I am, what was that? That means I am Hispanic, I am African, I am Asian, I am European. My blood runs from every corner of the earth because I am American. As an American, I have one tenet to respect every citizen of the world and actively engage in the ongoing pursuit to form a more perfect union. Given that, to knowingly foment discord among races is a disgrace to our flag. It incites fear in innocent communities and lends legitimacy to the darkest, most hate-filled corners of the American soul. It is the opposite of leadership. It is the opposite of humanity. It is heartless. It is despicable. It is shameful. Let's turn against racism in all its ugly manifestations, both subtle and overt. Let's turn toward each other with all the compassion we gave Molly. Let's listen, not shout. Let's build bridges, not walls. Let's celebrate our diversity rather than argue over our differences. I can tell you when you've lost your best friend, differences are petty and meaningless. My family remains eternally grateful to all those who adopted Molly so completely and showered us with so much care, compassion, and generosity. Please accept our desire to remain private as we share our loss. We love Molly with all our hearts and miss her terribly. We need time. That's by a guy who's mourning the murder of his daughter, Rob Tibbetts. Just another fine American. And that he would have to, in his unimaginable grief, have to come to the aid of the Hispanic community. And he felt he had to. Because his daughter's death was being used to terrorize them. And while some would take what happened to his daughter and become someone who hates all people who look like that murderer, 
People do that a lot. Someone has a bad experience with a black person, with a Jew, with a Hispanic, and they just decide whatever that person was, they represented every, every single one of that community. It's amazing how many people do that. So that's a fine man, an extraordinarily fine man, and I bet his daughter was wondrous. <clears throat> I also don't know, speaking of deplorable and despicable and racism, did you see the robocall that uh, was running in uh, Florida uh, immediately after? Um, the Democrats uh, elected a black man, the mayor of Tallahassee, uh, to uh, be their standard bearer in the uh, gubernatorial race in Florida. We already know of the dog whistle from the Republican running for that seat, who the day after his uh, win uh, pops up on Fox News, of course, and talks about um, uh, don't want to, can't afford to vote for that guy because he'll monkey, monkey things up, which was considered such a racist dog whistle that um, even Fox News uh, had to, had to, uh, distance themselves from it. But meanwhile, back in Florida, people are picking up their telephones and they're getting this. The, uh, the, the Democratic candidate is Andrew Gillum. And um, they're getting calls. You pick up the phone and first you hear monkeys and drums. And it says, well, hello there. I is Andrew Gillum. We Negroes done made mutt huts while white folk waste a bunch of time making their home out of wood and stone. And it goes on. If the Negro know for sure he didn't do nothing, that's how they evade. It's beyond belief. I mean, it's just beyond belief. It goes on and on and on in that way. Um, they know where it came from. Uh, it came from a guy who's a well-known white nationalist. And uh, he does this kind of thing whenever he has the opportunity. As a matter of fact, um, I believe he started doing robocalls where Molly Tibbetts was murdered. And here, listen to the robocall that some people in um, Iowa were getting. You can imagine how this makes her family just 
more miserable than, than they already are. So the robocall in Iowa is saying, Molly Tibbetts' life has now been brutally stolen. If she could be brought back to life for just a moment and asked, what do you think now, Molly Tibbetts would say, kill them all. Well, we don't have to kill them all, but we do have to deport them all. The Aztec hybrids known as mestizos are low IQ, bottom-feeding savages and is why the country they infest are, are crime-ridden failures. The guy who did the Florida call and this Iowa call is one and the same. His name is Scott Rhodes. He lives in Idaho. He has been linked to similar robocall campaigns in California, Virginia, um, a fine, fine American. These people are real. And they have more tools to spread their hate, more places to meet with each other than they have ever had before, of course, because of technology. And I think that, too, has helped to grow their numbers and uh, Donald Trump, as president, has been to them an extraordinary godsend. I haven't mentioned the, uh, the book. Um, we're all hearing about the Woodward book, suitably called Fear. And by the way, the title he chose comes from the fact that Trump told Woodward that the way you get power is through fear. And we see how that now plays out in his presidency. I'm not ready to talk about it because all we're getting are these, you know, whatever. You're free to see it. I'm... If you want to say anything about it, feel free, but um, I'm going to hold my fire for a while. I didn't think that anything that came out was particularly surprising. I mean, what the hell could be surprising? Unbelievable. Okay. I think that's it for me today, and... Uh, I'll see you tomorrow, I hope, and uh, stay cool. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.